Welcome to the Holocord Podcast. Cocksuckers never have loners, though. <laughs> That's the problem. That's a fact. Okay. That's a fact. And the funny thing, a funny story about that is that we actually had somebody take one of our loners because one of the cars needed, like, an engine or some shit. And uh, the dude fucking drove it from here to fucking Seattle. That's amazing. <laughs> and we were like, what? And the guy's bitching about his car, and I get the guy's predicament. Like, he's like, where's the engine? I want my car, and everything's fucking back-ordered. Mm-hmm. So he drives it, and he flies back, leaves the car in fucking Seattle, right? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. He's like, and his car is done. He's like, I want my car right now. And they're like, where's the learner? He's like, that thing's in fucking Seattle, Washington. They're Could like, care less. They're like, they're like, you're not supposed to drive the car that's that far. That's not how this works, dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, it is, and that's where it's at. And like, dealerships <laughs> think that like... So then what like, happened there? If you have one of our learners, like, it's almost like, you're on fucking house arrest. Don't leave the fucking state. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so they had the fucking car shipped back here. And fucking they home. meaning you guys are on yeah. his expense. No, on us. Okay. And um, because they they do this thing like the the service manager, he's a fucking yes man. Uh huh. All day long. If you walk in there infuriated, it's just like yes, okay. Well, that's how want. I got a loader a few times. I was like, fuck this, fuck you. I mm-hmm. spent way too much money. So fucking. I have a jeep. The same thing when I had to get my jeep serviced, they didn't have a loaner for me. I'm like, I can't not have a car. Yeah. Like I have to. Go and to you want me work. to get a rental car on my dime? And then they and that's, get... yeah, that's what they wanted me to do. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing that because this is a fuck up on your end because my totally. car is still under warranty. I got it on the phone. Yes, me. So I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> but then they're like, well, then there was one point. There's no cars. They're like, well, we we work with Enterprise Rental Cars. And so no. I call Rental Enterprise. No cars from here to fucking Pakistan. Oh, like, and then I just fucking ate it. I <laughs> 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 got my own rental car for a day or two. I was yeah. Like, I was like, Dude, sometimes it's easier just to so, say fuck. It, it really depends. was. It all depends on the situation. It depends on the day when like, I pick and choose my battle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some days it's easier just to be like, you know what, fuck it. I'll put well, out a hundred bucks and just rent yeah. a goddamn cheap ass car. Gets me A to B. To, uh, to end that story, so that car got sent back from Seattle. What's the guy us. do that does this? That went to Seattle? Is he like a, a traveling salesman? Uh, he must. Something. Guy. I, I First no time idea. he ever he, left the state. He's got to be loaded to not give a fuck that Seattle. much. Like to like. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Here's how much yeah. he didn't give a fuck. Okay, so the car came back to our dealership on a flatbed. Okay, mm-hmm. with which both, had both to be a hefty windows busted, no shit, windshield busted, and a sign on the steering wheel taped on a piece of paper that said. Fuck you. No way. That's oh impressive. I was like, wait, this dude's either a legend or he's just a real big fucking <laughs> You didn't look, I would have looked into this guy, man. So where did That's he leave it? Did he leave it at like an airport parking lot or like? Um, That's to be honest, I don't know. Level. I don't know that detail. I just know it was in Seattle. So did he get his car back from you guys? Yeah, he got his car back. Um, gave him his car back. 
and he got like so much money taken off the fucking bill and like all this other shit. We covered the fucking rental and like all this other shit. Dude. But yeah. Wow. And he busted I'm, that I'm, shit up. Like, yeah. And I'm still waiting for parts for it. Oh my god. His real car? No, for the, the rental owner. Yeah. Dude. What was his car? What did he have? I want to say he had a, a Land Rover Velar. So like the bigger newer ones? Or? Um, it's it's kind of like your car except it's 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 squatted down. It's like a little bit longer. It almost looks like a wagon. I know what you're talking about. So, and they're nice, but it's you know. Dude, if I did that with my Jeep and a loaner, I'd go to jail. Right. How do you get How do you get away with that? I don't know. I just fix all my own shit, dude. <laughs> That's what I say. You know? That's fucking bananas. So yeah, I was gonna tell you because it was kind of a cool story, but I I drive that fucking Subaru out there. Yeah. And. uh it was funny, like, you know, reading these and, like, uh, and the names and stuff you were bringing up. The person that actually got me into, like, uh, Subaru and shit was Bucky. Yeah, he's, like, the fucking spokesperson. He's like, for Subaru. <laughs> everyone that everyone says Subarus were like, dude, Bucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah no. I seen his shit, and I was like, I need one. I'll tell him that. I'll see him next. I'll take anything that's reliable. I don't even care. If it can haul my tools and it's reliable, that's the kind of car I want. I'll get to that point after maybe like two more cars. You know what I mean? Before you're still there with the first car. (laughs) You know which ones I really fucking like are those um, Lamborghini truck SUVs. Oh, the Urus? Yeah. Those bitches. They're badass. Because they're not like gaudy Lamborghini. Yeah. They're kind of like subtle fucking, man. But they're fucking quick. I, I can imagine. All right, we're rolling. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Holocord Podcast. I'm Vinny Keller. I'm here with Bill Riley. What's going on? Dan Steinman. Hey. Also known as Deep Dish Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we have a special guest with us who is a professional skateboarder, stunt performer, author, addiction uh, interventionist, motivational speaker, and former member of the CKY crew. Please welcome Brandon Novak. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, fellas. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. So um, could you just give us like a little bit of a backstory of uh, where you come from, Brandon? Yeah. um, Some might say it's a bit of a colorful past. Um, I like to say I've been around the block a few times. Born and raised in Baltimore. Um, come from a really good family, a loving home. A, a mother that's a, a nuclear physicist on the board of Mercy Hospital. Um, and a brother who's an attorney in the White House who practices pensions and benefits. And a father who was around just enough to let me know that he was not around. Never held a job a day in his life. Taught me one thing if and when I go to prison how to conduct myself. Sir came to his addiction uh, and he no longer walks this earth with us. Me, on the other hand, I got my first skateboard at the age of seven. And that night when my mother put me to bed, she said, Brandon, what would you like me to do with the skateboard? And I said, I want it in bed with me. She said, why? And I said, because if I die, I want it to go with me. The moment that board touched my hand, I knew I was going to be a professional skateboarder. Uh, I ate it, I breathed it, I slept it, I dreamt it. Uh, At 14, I was the first skateboarder to be endorsed by Gatorade. Flied flying to Chicago to the Quake Roads building where they made Gatorade at the time and they put me on a treadmill, Michael Jordan on a treadmill directly next to me and they strap these EKGs to our chest and, and give us each Gatorade to see the effects that it has on different sports players. 
At 15, I'm touring the world with Tony Hawk. I'm designing my pro model for Pal Peralta, and I have a private tutor that flies with. A little bit further down the road, I uh, I end up in those movies, Jackass, and, and TV shows, Viva La Bam, and CKYs, and Bams and Holy Union, and um, and, and fast forward a little bit further down the road, I become a New York Times top 10 selling author of an autobiography addiction memoir. So from an outsider's perspective, from an external point of view, uh, I was an individual who had did a lot of things that people would accredit to success, happiness, potentially even dream of doing. And the reality is that's very true. But the flip side of that coin is, is what my life really looked like. Is um, May 25th, 2015, I, I came to on life support in Mercy Hospital in Baltimore City, the very same hospital my mother's on the board of. Um, after being under for seven days from an overdose of heroin and cocaine, I was about to walk into my 13th inpatient treatment center. I had lost count of outpatients and detoxes. My mother had bought me a plot. People had taken life insurance policies out on me. I had been medevac to four different hospitals in four different states for four different overdoses. Um, in the beginning of my addiction, my mother used to pray to God, please don't let me receive that phone call tonight. Please don't let me receive that phone call that my son has succumbed to his addiction. To at the end of my run, praying to God, please let me get that phone call just so I can have a peace of mind knowing that he's safe once and for all. Um, a 38-year-old homeless heroin addict who, who resided on the corner in Baltimore, prostituting my body just to secure enough finances to acquire another bag of heroin. You know, um, I like wanted to kill myself on a daily basis. I just didn't want to hurt myself in the process. And uh, and ultimately, at the end, what I credit to to the change that's taking place that allows me to sit at this table before you gentlemen is is that I had this spiritual experience where the God of my understanding showed up and. Uh, divinely inconvenienced me in just such a manner that he created just a big enough gap between me and the last bag of heroin that I shot to allow me to have that moment of clarity to see what my life really looked like was. And I was no longer acceptable of it. Those behaviors no longer made sense to me. Um, and at that point, I could no longer deny the severity of the situation that I had created for myself or found myself in, and I was no longer willing to accept it. So for the first time in my life, I kind of went from Possessing a job that consisted of knowing everything to coming to the understanding that what I do know is that I don't fucking know. And my very best thinking places me here time after time and, 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 and the common denominator and my problems were me. So simply I just got out of my way, put my hand out, asked for a little bit of help, accepted the suggestions, followed it, and, uh, and I dumbed my way into this table with you boys. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I like what you said there, <clears throat> that you got out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes I feel like that's the problem with most people in any situation at all, is that they're always in their own way. It's like when somebody says they can't do something, it's just because they're... It's their own mindset. Their own mindset, right. Absolutely. Mentality creates reality. Mm -hmm. If you change your perception, you can change your world. And, you know, I was never the kind of guy who, who had to see it to believe it. If I believed it, I could see it. You know, and, and, and skateboarding... Thank God for skateboarding, but I believe that skateboarding weeds out quitters, you know? So, like, 
I was never going to be okay with being one of those addicts who just like lived to get high and said, up, oh, this is my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I knew it was going to play out one of two ways. Either I was going to fucking die of an overdose or I was going to get sober. Get sober. I remember filming Viva La Bam back at Bam's house in Westchester. And we'd finish filming for the day and everyone would go to the pub, to the bar and the cast and the crew. And, and I'd be like, all right, I'll meet you guys there. But I'm going to go to a meeting. And Bam would be like, you're going to go to a fucking AA meeting before you meet us at the bar? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what's the point? And he didn't understand it, rightfully so. But for me, the point was that like I knew that one day either it would take, meaning sobriety, <laughs> or or my alcoholism would take, meaning my life. So you know what I mean? So it was like... I, I just I, 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 I was I wasn't gonna accept just a fucking mediocre pathway. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's gotta be all or nothing. Whether I'm fucking sober, I'm sober to the to the fucking hilltops and and I'm all about health and wellness and, and bettering myself, bettering my life, bettering my situations, my outcomes, my desired destinations, or I'm just like, fuck it, let's shoot dope, let's fucking smoke crack, let's fuck hookers, let's burn this house down. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, it's, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No middle ground with you. No, no. You know, Which can be a good thing. Yeah. Because you're, you're always 100% into whatever you're doing, but yeah, if like it's a negative thing, you're, you're going to die. <laughs> right. Just simple as that. Yeah. All about the approach you take. It is. It is. So a question I had, and, and since you've already brought it up, like the Viva La Bam days, uh, I was always curious as to how much of that was, like, just a ruse for the camera. Uh, and when the camera shut off, how much of that, like, those antics carried over into real life? I mean, it, it just depended on the actual antics that you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because nobody's going to wake up to fucking throw a TV through their window. Mm-hmm. Right, right, just right. to get a, a rise out of your buddy. Mm-hmm. But like, did we fuck with each other? Yeah, I'm sure the same amount that you guys fuck with each other. Absolutely. You know, when the cameras are on, it's 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 a bit more it's extreme. And, and there's always a storyline, right? Like they give us a script, we come up with a script, mm-hmm. but then we divert from that script, and it goes in all these different ways too. So it's I'd right. say probably sixty scripted, forty not. Yeah, just kind of figuring it out on the fly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But not really, because there's mm-hmm. like in the background, there's a timeline, there's a, mm-hmm. a, a there's framework, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a bubble you have to stay in, but within there, there's a lot of like free range to kind of. just... Yeah, but then there's not even really a bubble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's we understand it because it has to make sense when it hits the the TV, right? right? Left to our minds, it just is like fucking <laughs> chaos. <right? laughs> it could go yeah, anywhere. <laughs> Christ. Um, so the, it, it definitely we understand that it makes sense, and we have to mm-hmm. hit points in the story to to bring it all together but that's why like everyone has a job you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the producer the director the lineman mm-hmm. the, the 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 characters you know and and we just do what we want and we, everyone has a vision mm-hmm. but everyone has a different job or a different role on the set and and we kind of respected that and you know they when we would get too far out they pull us back in like it doesn't fucking make any sense to do this how does this fit mm-hmm. into that story and we're like well it doesn't but it's fucking hilarious mm-hmm. yeah. and some and we would just do it anyways and when they'd say no we'd do it anyways and then mm-hmm. a lot of times they would appease us and they'd just film whatever mm-hmm. um, and then it would just not make it anywhere <laughs> so like on, on Bam's Unholy Union when you broke your legs did you really break your legs or was that part of Fuck the script yeah no okay. that was not scripted um, mm-hmm. that was not just... in there for me to do that mm-hmm 
Hawk just flew in. We were there, boards, and and it was just like made sense. Right. But that was absolutely not. Scripted. And then they just added it in there because it worked. Yeah, it definitely worked. Cool. You know. <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, stuff like that that I was always curious about. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, we see these things, and it's like from our end. You know, watching the TV or watching YouTube, whatever it is, uh, yeah, you got to wonder how much is scripted. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've all thought the same thing that, that Bill just mentioned. You know, what what was put there intentionally and what just actually happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, let me try to think of an example. Like, um... like I just watched the other day on YouTube. Uh, I found a video that says Brandon Novak does a 900 or tries to do a 900. And you come down and you slam, man, and bam, flips you over, and they carried you up. You know which one I'm talking about, Vinny? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they carried you up and laid you on a uh, pyramid in a skate park, whatever whatever park you were in. And uh, and you were screaming, your, I think you said your pelvis was broken. Or Oh, yeah, 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 yeah Christ. <laughs> so much fucking bullshit that we did. <laughs> um, it just depended on the day and the characters that showed up. Yeah. Right. You know? Well... The one that Bill was referring to, I, I remember, I, I think I remember you saying, like, your initiative going in to try to do that trick or stunt was like, whatever happens, it's a fucking win-win. If I land it, it's going to be fucking sick because it's great footage. Mm -hmm. And if I fucking bail, it's still going to be great footage, but, you know. It's going to suck for me. Yeah, yeah, but I'll still get fucking pain meds at the fucking end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, justified, you know certified free pass from the doctors and my friends to allow me to sit on the sofa and fucking eat all the pain pills I get at once. You know, so it's like, if you weigh the scales of justice, my my role was really simple to see, right? Like, you, you take a guy who prior to this was a homeless heroin addict in Baltimore mm. City letting men blow him to get more fucking heroin, right? That's pretty much the lowest of the lows. Can't really get much lower than that. And then I wake up one day in this fucking you know for lack of better words mansion in in the outskirts of westchester with like tv crews and sets and and fame and fortune and i'm thrusted into this role on the camera um still with the same addict mentality and tendencies but knowing that i have to um you know not really partake in those activities if i want to keep this new gig going um because they're not going to deal with it so i would look for any way that i could to get a justifiable free pass um to get high right like because it was always okay for me to to drink wine and sniff coke right that was always like sociably acceptable things um, and plus when I did those things, I didn't like fall asleep in mid conversation or steal your car or wallet to get more. So, so like, and they, they were doing the best they could with what they had, but they just didn't understand alcoholism or addiction. And why would they at that point? Mm. Um, so I, I would partake in the blow and the wine because like that was there and it was the only thing that was a acceptable and B that would allow me to get out of my own self, which is ultimately what the problem always was was me um internally and i needed something to escape and that came through a form of a drink or a drug and uh so i would do that because it was there and it was readily available but anytime i got a chance to get what i really liked which was fucking opiates i was all about it so the stunts that people no one wanted to do and everyone passed up i'd be like fuck yeah let's do it 
if I make it, great footage gets me on air a little bit longer, ratings go higher, paychecks a little bit more, which ultimately just full circle goes back to my addiction. Or I get hurt, fucking footage is even better, ratings are even higher, I'm rushed to the hospital, doctors give me scripts for opiates, and now like my friends allow me to sit on the sofa and get fucked up. Right. And it, you don't even have to pay for that hospital trip. Or no, that I, I actually get paid more for it. I get paid more to get hurt in the is that long how that run. Works? Like the more stunts well, you do, like you get paid per stun or no, paid per, no. But I'm just saying, injury. if if you if you look at the grand scheme of things, the big picture, right? right the mm -hmm. the more out, here was the reality. The more outlandish my behaviors were, the more outrageous my antics are, the the higher the ratings go. Mm -hmm. The more in demand I become, the more money I make. So right. if that entails breaking fucking ten bones or whatever, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just the more shock value. Right. Yeah, that success facilitates the bad things for you. Yeah, me personally, and not everyone in that world, and that's just not how it works. It's just like, as an alcoholic already prior to entering into that world, I fucking figured out a way to, to create these narratives um, that will further enable my alcoholic behaviors right you know it's, it's what fucking alcoholics do right it's a, it's a tendency for any addict to further yeah. their own addiction keep feeding. no matter what that is yeah. whether it's sex food fucking video games right fucking shopping drugs you know it's just it's how it yeah, goes. there's always an excuse there's always a mm. game plan there to try to get more of it try to totally. feed into it yeah so, so that kind of brings me to another question uh and I guess in the mindset of like all these antics are going to bring me more lu more lucrative payday or you know more trips to the hospital to get more drugs. Uh, like the times where like you would get really fucked with. Like the one episode I watched of Evil Bam, I remember it was a Groundhog's Day, mm -hmm. and uh, like Bam's talking to the camera, and then he just slaps you in the face out of nowhere. <clears throat> like, are those things expected to happen, or is it like out of the blue when you're just like? Well, you have I mean, a resentment towards it because I feel like anybody getting slapped in the face for any reason at any time, embarrassingly on TV like that, like would really cause some kind of resentment. Well, but like if you're in the mindset of like this is going to help us, then but but then take, take it the back team. to the beginning of what I started out with. If mm -hmm. you come from prior to entering into this world, mm -hmm. <laughs> the world of 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 eating out of trash cans, mm -hmm. standing on the corner. Praying to God that guys want to rent me to fucking blow me mm -hmm. just to get another $10 bag of heroin. Right. Do you really think a fucking slap in the face is going to change the weather of my day? <laughs> like, right, right. On national TV, <laughs> right. which fucking secures a, a great paycheck from Paramount. It's like, dude, Yeah. that's why it was perfect. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, it was fucking welcomed. And and the, the, like things like that weren't always expected, but then they always were. Mm -hmm. You know, because you had to look at... It wasn't like we were filming the Titanic. Yeah, you always knew there was a possibility that Bam's going to turn around and just time. slap you for yeah. no reason at and all just because it's fun. Any given time. Yeah. yeah, so that's just kind of like par for the course in that world. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. But again, I think no, people might not be able to kind of get into that mind frame because it's just mm -hmm. unless you're in that mind frame right like right. It, it's a real disconnection from whatever whoever reality is right you know so and that's that why like watching reality right. at that time watching this as kids you're like these dudes are fucking bananas like yeah and like i guess you never really th you just think that continues on when the cameras are off yeah no nah, not really like it's almost like when well when we were watching it we were in uh -huh. like middle school so sure. like we're thinking or at least i was at the time 
uh, like, you guys are doing fucked up shit, and then the cameras are rolling for this period of time, and then it stops, and then you guys are still doing fucked yeah. up shit. Like, your whole life is just this gnarly mess of fucking Yeah, it looks nonsense. like just a continuation from, yeah. you know, from the perspective like, of it, the Like, it almost, like, I guess the way it was filmed and put together, it seemed like a documentary of, like, what was happening on the day, that particular day you were filming. Yeah. 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 It makes mm -hmm. you think, like, was Bam just, like, randomly one day, just, like... You see them doing shopping carts at Acme. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just, is that just your normal day because you're bored, or what are we rolling? But, I mean, yeah, and it's good to have, like, some kind of inside perspective now and kind of... Right. Yeah, it's it's cool to get a little bit of those answers. But, uh, yeah, man, so... So what are you, what are you doing now? Like, uh... Fuck, I do like, a million things. That's what I mean. Like, uh, like, like income wise, what's your main gig? Like, what you know? I know you're you're touring with uh, Banyan Treatment Center. Uh, I, no, I I work for them. Okay. Uh, I've been blessed with the ability to make my own schedule. Okay. Pretty much for everything I do. Um, that's great. So I um, it's funny. Prior to sobriety, my life consisted of the getting and using and finding ways and means to get more drugs and alcohol 24 7 that's all my brain fucking revolves around who i went with what i did when we did it all pertain to to drugs and alcohol that was it and now it's rather ironic and, and it's talk about destiny and fate is 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 my life today is the exact same thing, except the only difference is I don't partake in them, and I get paid very well from them. <laughs> so it's like, it's 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 a fucking blessing. Um, I'm an interventionist. I'm a motivational speaker. I uh, I, I own men's recovery homes. Um, where a gentleman that would go to treatment, get out of, and don't have a safe, secure home to return to. I own houses in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, I work in the drug and alcohol treatment field. I, I help people get into treatment. Um, sent somebody to treatment last night. Sent another girl to treatment the night before. You know, just constantly doing that. Um, Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., I, I fly to Kentucky to be a keynote speaker at an event with the mayor. Um, professional skateboarder. Uh, just finished a video part that I'm putting out that I went to Barcelona, Spain, and filmed. Um, a guy in recovery, a guy who like sponsors other people, an author. I write books. Yeah, I fucking forget right. the shit that I have going on. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it's all centered around drugs and alcohol, except for the skateboarding part. Right, <laughs> right. Is is creating like um, content, like YouTube content, in the mix of all that as well? Yeah, I have all that shit too. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really run it, but I have a, I, I have a YouTube page. I have a, a, a whole all that stuff. Is if that's the question. Yeah, I was checking out some of the YouTube. Yeah, I mean, you got some cool stuff on there. A lot of the skate videos, man. I'm really interested to see more current skate videos. So, I mean, when's uh, when's the new part going to drop? Like, I don't know. Roughly. I don't know. Okay. Again, being my own boss, and I, I have the liberty to fucking do it whenever I want. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm not under a deadline of anything, so that's yeah. cool. Um, but that's the crazy thing about it. At 42 years old, I, I, I'm I'm doing everything that I used to do but better than I ever did it. And now you're going to have more fun doing it. Skateboarding, fucking 
traveling, fucking, um, <laughs> uh, health and wellness. I work out fucking four days a week with a train. You name it. I am physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. At 42 years old, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in and doing all the shit that I've ever done better in my life than I ever have. That's awesome, man. So do you, um, do you have your chance to create your pro deck now? Mm-hmm. I did. Is that out now with... It's it the, came out with the Heart Supply. The Heart Supply, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And the Heart Supply is a new company that the creator of Element started. The guy who created Element sold Element to Billabong and uh, and now wants to recreate, you know, not another Element, but another Element, if you will. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So that's the Heart Supply. Now, does any of that... Um, do you still have like a design from before when you were designing your deck with Pal Peralta? No, I mean, that was fucking decades and decades ago. So that shape then wouldn't be relevant today. Right. You know, so. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, I might have to go out and grab a uh, heart supply deck. I still skate a little bit, not. Yeah, know. man. Dude, I found that that's the only thing that really shuts my brain off. Yeah. I spent a lot of money to try a lot of things to fucking quiet this yeah and i recently learned it like a year ago when i was trying this i was battling this trick and i had to go back to the spot three different times in a you know three different days and got hurt a few times and and even though i didn't make it it dawned on me at that very moment I'm like this is exactly why i love skateboarding it's doing exactly for me what i've always tried to get done and and it was to allow me to really be in the moment. Right. Like, I wasn't thinking about where I was going, who I was doing it with, when this trip, it, it, nothing. I was just, like, in the moment. And I'm like, that's... That's, that's the battle that you want to fight. That's, yeah. that's what you want to, you know, if you're going to wrestle with yourself about something, it's, you know, what do I need to do to nail this trick? What do I, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's it, it takes away your schedule. It takes away the totally. stress. Like, everything is gone. It's you and the board at that point. Yeah, and That's yeah. a great feeling yeah you know what i mean so that's why I, I so now i really try to carve out time in my schedule to go on trips like i'm going this um tomorrow i fly out so uh i'm i'll be in kentucky then florida but then from florida i'm flying to new york for the weekend and uh and it's all these skaters are just going into the city and skating you nice. know and i like prioritize that to like you know that's great man that's great. Really, that's the stuff I love to do. You've today. probably gotten to skate some some really incredible spots throughout the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's uh, any favorites? Anything? Barcelona like? is the best. My favorite place to go. Okay. It's kind of like the yeah. People said that's like it was built specifically for, skate. for skating. But yeah, probably by accident for sure. Yeah, I don't know accident or not, but it's it's like Jerusalem for the holy goers. Mm-hmm. You know, if, <laughs> in, in that perspective, everything's marble. Everything's smooth that you don't get kicked out of anywhere oh that's awesome uh, yeah. yeah so do you have any local skate spots like to like around here per se that are- not really around here when i skate i'll go back to baltimore which is where i'm from and i have a crew of guys that i skate there with because i grew up skating there so uh and my mother's there so i'll go back and there's the hamden skate park and they're just building a new park right in downtown baltimore like in the harbor which is going to open i think in the next few months everyone's really excited about that's great man really just the crew you know what i mean it's, uh, spots are rad but I, if you have the right crew that that can make a fucking empty parking lot 
amazing. Oh, yeah. we've, we've done that for yeah. sure. Yeah. He's we grew up right skating crew. together. Totally. Yeah. He's got the right crew, man. You <clears throat> put the right crew together, you can have fun anywhere. We would, we would skate like a Modell's loading dock for like seven hours. Oh, that was like, yeah, that was the <laughs> spot to go to. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we yeah. had the Modell's 5 with the little flat at the bottom. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the move. Although none of us were really that good. <laughs> we had a few kids in our circle that were uh, pretty rad, but. We always had fun, though. That yeah. was the thing, man. It wasn't about being the best. It was just about going out and having fun. And that's that's the beauty of skateboarding. You don't have to be the best guy out there. You just you go out. Like you're saying, you, you take the stress of the day away. You, you you put yourself in that right mindset, that positive mentality, like, yo, I'm going to nail this trick. You know what I mean? And that's that's the bread and butter of the whole thing. But, yeah, so uh, you were discovered by Tony Hawk at 14? Bucky Lasik, actually. Okay. So, so how did that come about? I'm from Baltimore. He was from Baltimore, and you know he was mm -hmm. the Baltimore icon. And obviously, I knew it. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to skate like him. And and, and he saw you know something in me, and he kind of took me under his wing. And, mm -hmm. and and where was he at in his career at that point? He was already professional. He was pro for Pal, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he got me sponsored by Flow, and then on the wheels, and then the boards, and and then we would go out and stay at like Hawk's house in California and stuff right. like that. And at that time, for him, it was possible to make a living with skateboarding like mm -hmm. a good living and which transferred into you making a good living getting all them sponsorships at that time yeah 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 totally that's awesome that's great man the um what was it like pal peralta and like you know uh, what would that be late 90s something like that early 90s early 90s yeah okay. early early 90s it was amazing i mean it was everything that you could imagine plus some you yeah. know um it was all i ever wanted it was all i ever like dreamed of and like to achieve it at such a young age it was it was really fucking and it was mind-blowing but then it went from that directly to addiction so there was no like crossover you know so i went from skateboarding to drugs <laughs> <laughs> um and they were both extreme yeah and like you said man one Everything you do is to the extreme. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and how did the drugs actually come into play? Like, like. Well, I believe I was genetically predisposed, mm -hmm. right? Like nobody held them to my fucking mouth or nose mm -hmm. or shot on my arm to with a gun to my head. Um, uh, my father was an addict, and his father was an addict. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that paired with the upbringing that I was raised in with my father and kind of being predisposed to behaviors of an alcoholic I, I picked those you know so it's a combination of things you know lack of accountability it wasn't like i had to be in when the street lights came on or a job where i had to check in with a boss every day and you know i skateboarded right. so and i was really successful at a young age so people believed that there was a method to my madness and there was mm -hmm. until there wasn't you know, and then I had gotten to my alcoholism and my addiction. And before I knew it, I was like too far out there to kind of be pulled back in. Right. right. And was this hidden from like Bucky and Tony Hawk, like at the time? Or oh, did they to know? the best of my ability. <laughs> Until it was no longer <laughs> hidden. You know, it wasn't an yeah. open topic of conversation about how fucking loaded I'm going to get. And right. I, I avoided that at, like the plague. Cause mm -hmm. With everybody, not even just them, because, you know, once that's exposed then there would probably begin i'd probably begin to have some repercussions from my actions mm -hmm. and i didn't want that because i wanted to you know again create this narrative 
that allowed me to support my idiotic behaviors to continue to drink and drug without repercussions. All right, right. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You got a wild story for sure. Uh, yeah, with a little bit of like money laundering in there. Yeah. Which I was surprised to see. I was like, how the fuck did you even get away with any of that? <clears throat> well, it was different then than today. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is like before fucking 9 11, and, and you, I don't even, you really need to have like an ID to go through. I forget what it was, but like it's not as an extensive security checkpoint as it is today so you could just like you know everything was easier then mm -hmm. i remember fuck i used to sell i used to sell like pounds and pounds of herb and um like 20 30 40 50 pound boxes of herb and uh what the f the price like before 911 i think when i was getting them was like it was like 600 bucks a pound maybe and then directly like the day after 9-11 they went up to 900 yeah because security right, right. like you can't it, everything just got so intensified instantly right. that much more difficult to do yeah, yeah. literally overnight so to put in perspective how i could do it then as opposed to now right now fuck good luck yeah, I mean, the world was just a different place before Truly. something like 9-11, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It just, it, it made every single person in the world stop and reevaluate mm -hmm. everything, you know, oh shit, we're exposed, you know, in this many ways, and then everything locked down. And Especially then, you know, in airports. Right. In particular. Right, so if you're doing something that they're already looking for in the first place, now they're looking ten times harder to make sure you don't get on, you know, whether you're just bringing in some pot, bringing in some yeah. whatever, or, you know. Oh, yeah. man. It's tough stuff. It's crazy. But uh So are you able to tell us how the book Dream Seller came to fruition? Um Yeah, I, I had no intentions on writing a book. I was never like a a fucking school guy. I I didn't graduate high school. I got my GED while I was incarcerated in the penitentiary after Dream Seller came out. But I wrote the book because while living with Bam and filming Viva La Bams, we'd finish and we'd all go to the bar, the cast and the crew, and be a big table of like 40 people at a bar. And, and he was always very entertained with the stories and predicaments I found myself in as a direct result of my addiction. He being Bam? Yeah. Okay. So he'd be like, yo, tell this story, tell that story. And I would tell these stories, and again, at a table of 40 or 50, you could hear like a pencil or a pin drop. Mm -hmm. So after like three days of this, he's like, yo, you, you're going to write a book. Now, mind you, I, I made it to the 11th grade, got kicked out for drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, school was not my forte. I wasn't a fool. I just, did, just didn't really, you know, it wasn't on my priority list. And, um, and he said, you're going to write a book. And in, 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 in order to live in my house and be on the show, um... I have to see you with a pen and a paper in your hand all the time. And he handed me like a notebook and a pen. And, and he said, you have to have this in your hand every fucking time I see you. The first time you don't have it in your hand, you're going back to Baltimore. And you don't have to be writing. You just have to have it. So again, weighing the scales of justice, do I want to fuck it? I don't really want to write a book, but do I want to go back and be homeless and eat out of trash cans? I definitely don't want to fucking do that. <laughs> so I made the decision pretty easy. I went to, um, to Barnes and Nobles and... 
And I got this book that I really enjoyed called A Million Little Pieces by James Frey. And I read that book and, and kind of sketched out an outline of how I thought I'd like to write my book. And I wrote it. I wrote it in 12 chapters and I handed it to Bam. And he's like, yo, this is actually really fucking good. And he gave it to my co-author, Joe Franz. Um, and, and Joe Franz turned 12 chapters into 23. And, and then Bam's manager got me a literary agent because they're not easy to acquire either. And that literary agent shopped my manuscript around and, and there were a whole lot of no's and a few yeses. And, and finally, we all came to an agreement uh, with Kensington Press, Citadel Publishers. And and uh, and at that very moment, I became a, a published author. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy, man. That's um, awesome. I've read it and I, you know, I've read it up to the update and it looks like you weren't too happy with the original ending. No, fuck no. Because it is exposed, exposed my behaviors, right? And I was trying to put on this facade that like I was doing great and I didn't have a problem, which is kind of like a Monday morning for every other addict and alcoholic in the world. Sure. Um, and Franz was exposing my behaviors. The number one thing that I, I, was not with and was not about and then ultimately you know fate took its course as it always does sure so but it, yeah it, looked, it seemed like franz just wanted to you to be honest and the book to be honest Mm-hmm. and 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 honesty and addicts and alcoholics are like mixing oil and water sure <laughs> you don't really vibe well Especially if you're untreated, like I was. I mean, I wrote that book fucking high out of my mind. Mm. So, so it seems like that time at BAMS <clears throat> was like super beneficial to you. Like it, it needed, right. it needed to fucking happen. But it also, from an outsider's perspective, seems like it wasn't the best environment to get clean in anyway. But I wasn't clean. Right, right. Well, even to like attempt to get clean, because I'm sure Bam tried everything in his power to help you, right? Yeah, but again, they had no idea about mm -hmm. alcoholism or addiction. Right. You know, so they were just doing the best they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. You know, fuck. I remember at one point, uh, a loved one of my life uh, was. Uh, they really contemplated fucking chaining me to the radiator in the basement mm -hmm. to detox me. Now, is that the right way to go about it? No. Who's to say though? You know, maybe, maybe not. Like that. What I've learned, and I don't, I don't recommend that, and I don't say do that. Yeah. But like, what I have learned in this area of of harm reduction and, and, that I'm doing, right, and and being out there and being a total number one advocate for recovery sobriety, however that may look, I've learned a few different things. But the one thing I learned is that it's not a black and white, one size fits all. Right. If that were the case, it'd be very simple and we wouldn't be in the predicament we are today with the epidemic. Mm -hmm. And number two, what I learned is that there's no margin for error, yet it's impossible to do perfect. You know what I mean? It's in the way that people are dying today. You know, it's it's such a cliche thing. Oh, you could die. You could die. Yes, you could die. But like today you could really die because the fentanyl, the car fentanyl, and they're putting it in everything. Um is that the right approach? Absolutely not. But who the fuck knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who the fuck knows? Uh, so, you know, you never really understand it until you understand it. Like, my story was not my story until it became my story. Right. And what I've learned in my life is that everything's pretty much in retrospect. Live forward and learn backwards. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So now I can see like... But again, with a different perspective, now it's really easy for me to look back and recognize the synchronicity of the life events that have brought me literally to this table right here that proved to me that the God of my understanding has been doing more for me, way more than I could ever conceive, longer than I ever had a notion of. You know what I mean? So I don't believe in luck or coincidence. I believe everything is destiny and fate. And, you know, we all have the the choice of free will, right? So I could choose A or B. But if I take A, I get kind of A's path. And I take B, I get B's path. Um so if if I had the 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 formula to a guide to a perfect life, I'd sell it, I'd bottle it, I'd sell it, I'd be a billionaire a billion times over. You know, I don't. Uh, I'm just trying to do the best that I can with what I have and Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody has that formula ever. And uh but I do think that you being a former addict and really being t- to hell and back several times over i'm sure yeah uh, gives you an infinite amount of wisdom which, which is what i'm i'm feeling right now like it plays what, what in my you, favor right, my defects right. have become my assets so right. what i've learned is that like the 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 demographic that i deal with on a mm-hmm. pretty much daily basis which are addicts and alcoholics they there's a few things the first thing is that they're defiant by nature they mm-hmm. hate authority and they'll never conform unless it becomes their idea Right. Mm-hmm. So, so then they they get this guy whose story holds depth and weight, and where usually they build this really fucking high thick wall up that's unpenetrable, right? Because like they don't want to be fucked with. But all of a sudden, I come in and they know my stories, whether it's through the books, through the fucking YouTube's, the podcast, the press, the promote, whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm immediately able to get through that wall that most other people aren't. Right. You know, so yeah, you seem to bring a credibility there assets. to yeah. a world that doesn't have much credibility Ex- in it. Or that they don't even want. Right, right. they're in their own world, and they don't want to be fucked with. Right. right? They, they ignore credibility in most cases, but you bring yeah. a certain amount of credibility from your past experiences. And, yeah. and like you said, your your defects have become your assets now to, to explain to them, listen, man, I know you're in this way, you know, but it's by your own hand. And yeah. look what you can do if you decide to, you know, get out of your own way, like you were saying earlier. And I'm not coming from a professor's approach. Right. right? There's or, there's no looking down your like, nose dude, or I, anything. I get it. It yeah. makes sense to me why you choose to continue to shoot more heroin, drink more wine, sniff more coke, eat more pills, smoke more weed, instead of listening to me. I've seen me do it. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I get that. That's cool. You know? Right. And like, if that guy can do it, then there's no reason why I can't. Yeah. And when I can get somebody to that point, the terms of their contract will forever change because it becomes their idea. It has to become our idea. It doesn't matter how great you tell me my life's going to be. Who the fuck cares? Until I buy into the notion to conceive that, that like, maybe there is something here. Maybe, maybe, actually, maybe I'm going to start believing that I... I can do this. And when I believed that I can do this, guess what? I excelled at a rapid pace and became like a billboard for fucking treatment centers. Right. I believe it, man. I mean, you're a very inspirational person. You know, no matter what it is you want to do, you, like you said, you do it 110%. I mean, and you you really do it well. So what I love about the wisdom that you're sharing is that I think it carries over into any type of situation that somebody is doubting themselves totally. or a Absolutely. hump they can't get over if somebody's in a career they don't like yeah like, to take that step out of the career or like i was just having a striving single yesterday. mother who like 
feels like she's hope like helpless and doesn't isn't able to get out of her situation. I feel like that everything you're saying is just such a universal message. Absolutely. Yeah, this is not wisdom for somebody in recovery, somebody addicted to a particular thing. This this is just life experience that's going to get you further than you are now regardless of what path you're on. Because ultimately what I learned is that the the, the me particularly speaking about me how I got to where I'm at today is because I was an addict and an alcoholic I still am right Um, but once I did this work on myself I I learned that that my particular situation really has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol it was the it it, it was the catalyst that got me to the position that I'm at today but the reality is it, it, it has the drugs and alcohol were not my problem they were actually the exact opposite to my problem they were the solution to my problem Right. This this was the solution. Mm-hmm. You take my solution away. Now I'm left with the problem, which is me, my thinking, my attitude, my behavior. And without my solution, I'm like a stranger in my own skin trying to figure out who the fuck let me in. Now I got to escape. So I get back to the drink and the drug. Once I know that, then I know that what I can control in this life is me, my thinking, my attitude, my behavior. The moment I place these expectations on anyone here, more realistic, un- unrealistic expectations, all I'm doing is set myself up for a resentment because nobody's ever going to live up to my standards because I am the problem and I am my biggest critic and, and no one's ever going to do it as good as I think I should do. it should be done. So the sooner I learned out that the problem is really self, this is the solution, my world becomes easier to navigate through. And that goes with anything in life. Whether it's fucking sex, food, uh, shopping, porn, whatever it is, you know, those are the solutions to the problem. The problem lies within the, the the thing that sits in my head between my two ears. So I had to have a, I didn't. Well, yeah, for me, I had to have a spiritual experience, and and all the definition of a spiritual experience is is a psychic change, meaning that I today no longer think how I thought. When I walked into my 13th treatment center, I'm a completely changed man. I've been rewired in every sense of the fucking word. And that's as a direct result of the spiritual experience that I received. So are there ever days where saying that you're rewired? Are there ever days where you're struggling, where you're just like, uh, maybe I should just go pick up a bag or maybe nope. I shouldn't? That's Not awesome. once. So you finally... I'm God. literally a free man That's in every incredible. sense of the word. I mean, I'm a fucking interventionist. That there's times where I have mm-hmm. bags of heroin in my hand, mm-hmm. and 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 my first thought is, okay, where's the toilet to flush these? Mm-hmm. That's not, or nor was it ever my first thought. Right. <laughs> right. My first thought was like, fuck, go to the bathroom so I can hurry up and bang these, and then you mm-hmm. won't know. Whatever. Right. I no longer look at things the way I used to look at them. I'm like, I'm a completely rewired, individ- changed individual. You know? that's but that's, it's contingent upon, the problem for me was I always underestimated the opponent that I was up against, right? Okay. And that's why I failed miserably every fucking time. Once I had rearranged the furniture on the Titanic so many times, I realized my ship always went down. Um, and then I kind of started paying a little bit more respect to it because I learned like, a hard head makes for a soft ass, and I have the softest ass in this room, I promise you. I've failed so many fucking times. I've basically did process of elimination, but backwards, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it's pretty easy for me to succeed at the end at 38 because I did all the fucking bullshit before, and, and I got here because I just ran out of ideas and options. Right? Like, I tried everything, and I'm a fucking smart guy. I tried everything known to man to drink or drug without repercussions, and it never fucking worked. 
So then when I finally got here, I just like, I didn't want to be here. I just didn't have anywhere else to go. And I, I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't want to hurt myself in the process. So I was in this really weird fucking purgatory state. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I hear it said often and it's fucking cliche, but it's so true. It was the last thing I tried that was the first thing that worked. And now I can honestly sit here and say my obsession uh, to drink or drug has been removed. The desire has been lifted. You could sit here and cut a bag of fucking blow in front of me, and, and I'd say, all right, cool. I hope you have fun. Yeah, you know enjoy I mean? like, yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm just, yeah. That's a beautiful thing, man. That is awesome that you, you, know, you now have that mentality where you can just look at it, hold it, whatever, and just say, nope, not for me anymore. But I have to do a few simple things along the way to maintain that position. Right. right? Like, like I have to stay proactive in my recovery. And I don't right. want people to listen to this and be like, oh, recover. recovery from whatever you're trying to recover from. Again, yeah. whether it's food, sex, porn, drugs, alcohol, shopping, whatever. Any 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 status you've achieved in your life, there's a, there's always going to be a bit of maintenance that comes along with it. Maintenance, I mean, exactly. whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, any keeping a nice house yes. or keeping yeah. the right mindset yeah, you or gotta having cut the a grass, you got to fucking paint the poor, whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. There's Same always deal. some bit of maintenance that comes along with it. So yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like it's not to portray the message of like it's so easy to do. I'm done. It's and just I'll never yeah. have that again. No. Right. <laughs> there, there's always work to be done. Yes, it doesn't exactly. matter who you are where you're at in the world you've yes. got some work to do so right now at this very moment now if you god forbid fucking six months a year down the road and i've completely stopped doing everything i've done to this point and 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 we're having the same conversation i, I don't i wouldn't be able to say that with conviction right. like i can today right do you ever get tired of talking about it or is it something no, that you're so it, passionate people, about? People can... are like, dude do you ever shut the fuck up and i'm like i love <laughs> i fucking loved heroin i i still do i love heroin i love cocaine i love fucking the 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 dark places it puts you in i i i, I couldn't get enough of it when i was doing it and right. now being sober i just can't get enough of it I, like i told you my whole life was kind of just the same except for a totally positive mm -hmm. you know out like now i it's a hundred and ten percent demeanor all over again, yeah, just in a, in a positive to, way I get now. To live for my purpose, yeah. <laughs> but the only difference is like that it, I get paid from it, and I'm sober from it. It's yeah, like, and you get to enjoy the money you're yeah. making. You get to reap the rewards it's of your crazy. work now. It's That's... it's 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 truly only by the grace of God that it's kind of did this complete 360. It's come full circle again. You you wound up where you should have been in the first place without drugs and alcohol in the way now. Now yeah. you can enjoy what you've earned. Yeah. And so, uh, no, I don't. But I've been asked that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But that no, makes I sense. Don't. It and makes dude, sense. It's fucking, I, I'm so, the life that I used to live, all I ever wanted was some normality and security and stability. That's all I wanted. And I just never thought that it was obtainable or achievable. I really did not. Mm -hmm. um, and when I went to rehab this last time, I got a job. I went to Levittown, Pennsylvania. I lived in a recovery house for a year. And my first job out of rehab after 90 days was washing dishes for $6 an hour under the table next to a 15-year-old kid named Brian at a diner. And trust you me, I believe that I should have been much further along in my career than there. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I can only imagine back, how like humbling that. Uh, humbling and looking right. back, that honestly was some of the best times I've ever had in my life. 
it's you some of the I mean? most simple. Yeah, There's nothing like, to get in the way I of would, it. Yeah, I would go, I'd wash dishes, I'd come home, I'd get a shower, hang with the guys in the recovery house. All I had to do was focus on paying $165 a week for rent. Right. And we'd go to a meeting. It was fucking fun, man. Yeah. Nobody really expected more out of me or anything at that point. No one right. even believed I'd stay sober. <laughs> then I actually stay sober and I, I acquire all these like responsibilities. So it's easy to get consumed in the day-to-day of shit, but I need to always remember, like, remember when I just wanted to get sober and I never thought that was possible, you know? So so I'm completely, like, people ask, sometimes people ask me how I'm doing, and I, my answer is, like, way better than I deserve. So <laughs> so I'm, like, so content with what I'm doing, and, and like, if people are about what I'm doing and, and want to surround, cool, and if they're not, I want to keep it moving, cool, right? Like... I'm cool. So, and I, I never believed that sobriety was obtainable for me. Mm-hmm. So it gets me off. All right. So you mentioned being in the recovery house, uh, washing dishes for $6 an hour. At what point after that does it start to, do you start to see things like progress? Like how, how quick is well, it? Well, I couldn't at the time, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Like I was incapable of seeing these blessings that were taking place right. well, at that moment. What I mean but is like. In at, retrospect, looking back. Right. I could see mm-hmm. right around my one year of my first year of sobriety, I was getting ready to celebrate a year and I was about to be at that diner for nine months because I was mm-hmm. in treatment for three. Um, and then I got a, a message from Banyan, someone that worked at Banyan said, hey, would you be willing to f- come here and speak to our clients as a surprise? I said, sure. Uh, I thought it was just that. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, like I was put up in like a very nice fucking penthouse of a hotel, and they're giving me all these tours. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, are they going to ask me for a fucking donation? Like I'm right. I'm living in a recovery house, washing dishes, paying 165 dollars a week, and I had a very a mentor of mine is a fellow by the name of Chris Herring. He played mm-hmm. for the Boston Celtics and the Denver Nuggets, and he's like he's what I do, but on a, a bigger scale. And, and I, I'm his number one fan, and and I always wanted to do what he did, but I didn't know how that worked, right? Like in the Jackass world, I'm the talent. They fly me in, I film the scene, but there it takes people to get flights, hotels, fucking locations. It's all the logistics. Yeah, stuff. yeah. and I. So I wanted to do the same thing in the recovery world, like what Chris Herring does. I wanted to travel the nation. I wanted to speak. I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how to do all that. And then I fly to Banyan, and, and they I speak to the clients, and a couple of days later, that I said to the guy who was like my handler, I said, you know, I'd really like to do what Chris is doing for Banyan after I've seen it, right? And, 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 and the guy said, well, and we were having dinner that night with the owner. He said, well, you know, talk to the owner. Who knows? And I said the same thing to the owner. I said, the only dumb question is the one not asked after seeing your program and really liking what you do. And then they said to me, well, we didn't fly you here for anything, right? So they already had this plan put together unbeknownst to me. So I literally tripped and fell into the, I told you, like I I dumbed my way into this position. I'm not bullshitting. I I was washing dishes for $6 an hour. And then the next thing I know, I'm at a table being presented the opportunity to to do what I really love, which is fucking addiction or alcoholism uh, attached with a fucking, a, a very nice yearly salary mm-hmm. um, that I didn't even know this world existed. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being in treatment and, and I was in a state funded facility for 90 days and there was this family counselor and they said, well, Novak, what are you going to do for work after you get out? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what's your qualifications? I said, I don't fucking know. I, I skateboarded and then I did like drugs, 
in in no high school diploma and, and she got on the computer and like did that thing where they put what you're good at that would give you yeah like, the aptitude nothing came up nothing that no one knew what i was gonna do and it must i didn't be know so was disheartening when it you was hear that. i yeah. didn't know and i and then my first thought was like well i'll go work at a nursing home because and and they're like, are you insane? Was there ever a thought like, you can't do that with like ninety days sober? You go work in a nursing home, you become attached to an old lady, and then she croaks the next fucking day. Like that's way too. Yeah, much that's gonna throw psyche. you into a tailspin. Yeah, but I didn't know. I was scrambling after right. hearing that you're not like you had nothing. Like, was there ever a thought to just be like, you know what, fuck it? Like, let me just no, just go not back. and before absolutely this mm-hmm. time thirteenth treatment center in fucking mm-hmm. pain so great that like I couldn't deal with it. No, no, I I just mm-hmm. didn't. I just didn't know. I, I didn't. So your only option was going forward, figuring yeah, it the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna. It was just gonna figure it out. And then I didn't even get the job. My my uh, my assistant, because my patterns always kind of recreated themselves. And after learning that the behaviors were the problem, right, mm-hmm. and the and the the, pa- the ritualistic patterns of behaviors that I would create, um, they got me the job at the diner because they knew that with my humility and my pride, I would never go get a job at a diner. Right. And and they got me a job. So they said, when you finish treatment, actually, my very last day of treatment, they did for me what usually they don't do is they put me in the van and they drove me to this restaurant and I went to the kitchen and, 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 and the owner of the restaurant interviewed me for this dishwashing position in the kitchen. Right. And so but the point is, I had that job secured before I left treatment. And mm-hmm. when I left treatment, I went to the recovery house and People kind of like helped guide and direct me because they knew that I was incapable of making sensible decisions. Yeah, they ensured right? a, my decision-making ability was shit because it landed me in those places. So they kind of did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Right. And I just, I remember I told you, I just got out of my way, realized my way didn't work, but like maybe theirs did, and, and asked for some guidance and direction, and they led me, and and I just remained open-minded to follow their suggestions. And uh, and yeah, so so a year into that, then they Banyan reaches out and and then and that's kind of. That's kind of when things started picking up, right? Like the the book stuff was coming back into play. Mm-hmm. That I didn't didn't know anything about a motivational speaking that I was gonna do. I, I was never like my thing. Um, skateboarding wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Nothing still at that point was anything yet. But I just trusted and believed, and I just focused on my recovery and my sobriety. That's all I did, and that's all I do today. Mm-hmm. But now my perception has completely changed, right? Like I don't have to do anything. I get to do things, mm-hmm. right? I don't go because I don't go to meetings because I need to. I go because I want to. Right. I just have a completely different perspective on life. Yeah, the things that used to be chores are now a, a choice. It's it's an enjoyable action. Yeah, more like a blessing when you come from where I did. Yeah. You know. That's awesome, man. Because I didn't really get to do anything. When I was drinking and drugging, remember I told you who right. I went with, when I went, and what we did all revolved around how I was going to get more. Right. So I had to do those things. Today I like get to do these things. That's incredible. It's such a, it's such a great transformation, man. I mean, and, and I love the way. I don't want to say I love the way you got here, but I, I love the way you got here in the sense that totally. you know. You didn't set out to do this. You didn't set out to do that. You just you did whatever you did, and now you're at a spot where you're helping so many people. You're able to draw from those past experiences. You're able to do all this this positive stuff in the world now, and all it took was some faith. You know, it's just you know you believing in yourself. Somebody else believing in you. Yeah, that was it. You know somebody I mean? believed in me enough to then allow me to believe in me a little bit. Right, right. And now that that's happened, you know, you you own. Uh, men's recovery centers you're doing all this uh, uh, 
inspirational speaking, you're an interventionist, you know, all these positive things that can really do good in the world. And the coolest thing is the men's recovery homes that I've opened, it's it's not like a, a get-rich-quick scheme, uh, a millionaire fucking business venture overnight. It's actually a really, like, financially feasible uh, deal, right? Like, <clears throat> if someone completes treatment and gets out and wants to come to one of my homes, and if I have a bed available, it will cost them $180 a week to live there. Right. It's not like 10 grand a month. Right. Um, and to make it even better, I have scholarships available for the first month. So like they don't even have to like, if they don't have the resources like I didn't, they can get out, come to my recovery house, be scholarshiped for one month, continue to focus on the recovery of their sobriety so that by the time that their scholarship runs out, they've been in treatment for at least a month, they've yeah. now been in my house for a month, before they start to integrate or merge back into society looking for a job, they actually, chances are good that they can actually stay Right, sober. you're increasing their chances. Yes. You're giving them a start, yes. whereas you know you weren't able to get that totally. certain times. You know, and and that completely makes sense, man. That's again, that's an awesome thing that you do. So many people go into a, a rehab, and you know, either it's court ordered and they're just doing their time until it's over, or they get forced in by family or whatever. But now, regardless of anything, they've got a month in rehab, they've got a month in Brandon's house, and they're thinking clear again. They're able totally. to. I mean, it's it's their own decision at that point. What do I want to do with myself? Yeah. Where do I go from here? And that's incredible because so many people don't have the resources. The further down that rabbit hole you get, the worse off you are to get yourself out. You don't have the means Absolutely. to do so anymore. And I didn't try to recreate the wheel. I simply did what worked for me and recreated right. the house that I lived in right. in Levittown, except mine are in Wilmington, Delaware. Right. You know, that's that's awesome, dude. That's like that's so much. It's such a simple thing. Yeah. Like you said, you didn't it's try so to reinvent the wheel. It's missed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> people, people think right past it. Yeah. Like, <sighs> Including myself for yeah. so long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody's guilty of doing that. I mean, you, yeah. you look you look everywhere for the solution. You know, is it under and the couch cushions? Right is it fucking face. Exactly. Exactly. You look in front of you and you're like, oh, shit. Really? How long has that been there? Totally. But that's great, man, that you finally found that. And, and how many, how many men's uh, centers do you have? So I opened my first one up seven and a half months ago. Okay. And I'm closing on the second one, which is directly across. So I own 1211 West 8th Street in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And I just purchased, or it's closing, uh, I think we closed in like four days, on 1212 West 8th Street. So Sweet. literally like ac directly across. Yeah. So the one house will be a step down for the first. So like if you've been in the first house for six months and you're doing really well, then you can transition to the new house, which gives you like more leniency, okay. right? Later curfews, more overnights. There's like live-in house managers that kind of watch over what goes on. Right. And it kind of gives them, it incentivizes the guys that are in the first house to want to do better to make it to the second house. Right, right. Yeah, and that's an awesome thing because I know, I know in uh, Dream Seller, you mentioned that you always kept the the blinds drawn in the rehab because you look outside and there's guys copping. Yeah, like that's yeah. not what you want to see when you look out yeah. the window. That's not going to inspire totally a new way of thinking. Yeah, so, so these I'll have 24 beds in total. God willing, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome. And then I'm man. just going to continue that process in okay. Wilmington. That's great. You know, are you planning on spanning anywhere else? I could. I probably will, but mm -hmm. not right now. 
Gotcha. Taking it one step at a time. But it's just... not to say that it won't. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. an opportunity could present itself as soon as I leave this table, yeah. and that could change. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right. You get a phone call when you're yeah, driving away from like, here, and oh, it's like, okay. oh, well, I wasn't planning on that, but exactly. hey, why argue with as, it? As life has led to this point. <laughs> right. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, the guys that uh, show up at your house or want to come to your house, is there an application process, or is there like... like um, um, How do you go about like deciding who's going to be there? Do you interact with everybody who's there? Um, so how that works is for anybody that's out there that is in a position where they need uh, or looking for or want uh, a men's recovery house in Wilmington, Delaware, you can call this number. And it will direct you to one of two people, and and they'll do like an assessment with you to see if you meet the criteria mm-hmm. that would allow you to come to the house. And that number is three zero two four three three six two five six. That's awesome. for the recovery house. So, so you have like managers there to, to yes. intake. So awesome. when the guys get there, <clears throat> do they get to meet you? Do you go there and talk Fuck to them? Yeah, I'm okay. going there today. Awesome. After this, to do some gardening. Very nice. I love it, dude. It's like the, yeah. my favorite thing in the world to do because that was my favorite time. Right. Probably mm-hmm. in this lifetime was living in my recovery house. Okay. When I had really nothing to do except stay sober. Yeah. Now, now do you feel like the guys come and guy, just guys, right? Men's house? Yeah, just men. All right. Do you feel like they have a, like a, like I guess a better chance of sobriety due to the fact that it's your house? And and that there's like a face they can put to it, and not only that, but like let's face it, you're a celebrity in in a sense. So like, there's almost like I a, think there's a lot of pros to it. Like they look up to you. There's a lot of pros, but it's also a really good house. Mm-hmm. There, there's high accountability, lots of structure. Uh, we turn people away more than we accept, right? Because like, mm-hmm. don't come if you're not serious about staying sober. Right, right. It's not a house that you can just get lost in. That's or fair. Put a head in a bed, get a free month's worth of rent. Right. It's not that at all. As That's a matter fair. of fact, we've been open for almost eight months and we've only had, and this is nothing we've done. This is through the grace of God. We've only had one individual return back to drinking and drugging in That's amazing. eight months. And that was a 69 year old alcoholic who legit told us that he missed the shed that he lived in before he came. You know, so that that that's like trying to tell a fucking sixteen year old kid he doesn't know how to live his life. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. can't break the patterns at those ages, really yeah. young or really old. So right. do you think that is a product of being, in a sense, institutionalized? Like how like somebody who was in jail their whole life wants yeah, to go back to jail? Yeah, yeah. Pro- I think it's a. I think there's a lot of reasons why that. Yeah, is certain learned was certain learned behaviors just seem so chi- ingrained. Yeah, whether it was childhood traumatic experiences, it could have been a veteran PTSD, could have been genetically predisposed. You know right. what I mean? It's right. too much for me to diagnose right here. Right, and it may not always be their own fault either. It's just you know sometimes it gets so deep. And it's sixty nine years old after doing that for so fucking long. Right, you know, but who? I don't know. So yeah, I mean, and everybody's their own case. That's too. it. It's, it's never, not a black and white one size. Yeah. Maybe he's a candidate. <laughs> Fuck, I shouldn't say this, but maybe he's the kind of candidate that you fucking lock to the radiator yeah. in the basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not that I believe that should be done. But <laughs> exactly. We haven't tested this method yet, but <laughs> yeah. so we have any volunteers? The Holocord Podcast, yeah. Brandon. Over- <laughs> After this podcast, people are just gonna be chaining up their loved ones on fucking radiators. <laughs> be a whole bunch I didn't of new stories. No. <laughs> no, we do not support that idea. 
idea. But hey, I mean, sometimes when things get crazy, you got to resort to crazy solutions. You got to do what seems necessary in the moment to. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so does your success rate. Uh, is that the same success rate as a lot of other houses is it in that wheelhouse, or is it? I don't pay attention to other people's shit. Okay, I don't. That's uh, cool, man. You just do your own thing. Yeah, and, and that's why I opened it in Wilmington, Delaware, right? Because I could have did it in the the area Levittown where I got sober in, but it's mm -hmm. oversaturated with with houses, right? And it's a bunch of like owners it's not where of it's other needed. programs, and it's like pissing matches between those. And I don't want to be fucked with. Like I don't want right. to. I, I don't. I don't want to like. It's not about the competition. It's about the mission. Yeah, and there's a need, there's a demand for it, and and uh, people don't question me and and aren't like over intrusive on what I'm doing because mm -hmm. there's like ten other houses that you know that want to open. Right. I try to stay out of all that bullshit. That's right. the politics of it. The same way I there's hate politics to politics, everything. Man, I mean, it's the necessary evil. I get it. But. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way, dude. I I, I can't stand it. I mean, there's so much there's so much unnecessary bullshit infused into everything anymore. But again, like you said, necessary evil. So, so do you have like a five year, 10 year plan? Nope. Or is you just day flying by, by the day. seat of your pants? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause anything could change. Mm -hmm. Right. Literally, you know, yeah, like we were just saying, you could get a phone call on the way out of here, you know, and then all of a sudden you're expanding to another neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. One billion percent. Uh, my five to ten year plan for certain is just to, to God willing, stay sober and continue to increase my relationship with my higher power. And with those two things in check, there is nothing that I can't do. And I've learned that from my own experience to ending up here at this table, right, where I came from prior to getting sober and, and and some might look at it as oh you had this amazing and that was i had some of the best times of my life getting loaded until they weren't and that party ended you know what i mean yeah. and when i walked in with literally the clothes on my back yeah. to where i'm at now I, it tells me that i can do anything so Vinny was mentioning um like a documentary that He's doing with Franz. Yeah, is there like a you've been filming? I believe a documentary with Franz. Yeah, with Vice. Yeah, it was I was reading. Yeah, it's a documentary that will be coming out about my life, and it's been in the makings for twenty-two years. Mm. Unbeknownst to us, we've been filming it for twenty-two years. That's crazy. And Franz keeps all that footage. Uh, other people had it. It's mm -hmm. changed hands a few times. The project's kind of lost momentum, gained momentum. Um, because my story just keeps changing fucking exponentially and going in these different directions and, and the endings kind of become bigger than life itself and right. in a really short period of time. And so, yeah, but yes, now Franz has the footage. Um, we're, we're going next week. We have like f eight more pickup interviews to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to interview the guy, James Frey who wrote the book A Million Little Pieces mm -hmm. that inspired me to write my book. You may have heard of him. He ended up on Bo uh, Oprah's book club. Yep. Uh, they said his book was a lie. He fabricated parts of his story, and then he had to go back on Oprah's book club after she had him on saying, praised him, fucking how amazing. It, yeah. um, we're going to interview him next week. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. He's sober, too. Okay. Shout That's out really to cool. James Ray. That's, that's a great, book we man. should pick up and read. Yeah, for sure. It inspired Dream Seller for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely worth the read then. I mean, I was I was blown away by Dream Seller, man. I really didn't expect 
I mean, I started to read it because I knew you were going to be coming on, and I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I've known you for years on and off throughout Jackass and CKY and, you know, where the fuck is Santa, all that kind of stuff, like, mm-hmm. and then I started to think, like, you know, it, it's just a research thing, it's just a research thing, and then I realized as I'm turning the pages, I'm starting to care more and more, I'm starting to, like, you know, it was always, like, quote-unquote, Novak, now it's, like, Brandon. Sure. You know what I mean? There's a person behind the antics. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, so it's... It's cool that that you are able to draw inspiration from James Frey's book, and like me reading yours is is going to make me read his now, just to see where you were coming from, what kind of mindset you had. You yeah, know what I mean, it's it's dude, you, you've got you've got some crazy stories, and you've learned definitely some crazy lessons, and how grounded you are when you explain it, you know, post chaos. Sure, is incredible, man. You really. You really do a good job at explaining to people, that, you know, the, the downsides of all this and not, you know, not just the you could die from drugs and alcohol, but like, no, you really could die from drugs and alcohol. And not only that, it's going to be a hell of a ride down. Yeah, it's it's worded very well, too, because I felt like I was there, like with you the whole time. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> you know, kind of just like not even just just watching like a fly on the wall kind of type deal just he read your book in two days yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I hear that a lot he was texting me the whole time like oh my right. god you got to read this fucking I think book i sent like, bill it's... messages like holy fuck like every hour <laughs> yeah, holy pretty fuck. much yeah <laughs> like fuck off for christ's sake <laughs> so yeah we uh do we have anything else um, no, I'm I'm pretty much good. Do you have anything else? Oh, yeah, Brandon, go ahead, plug uh, nah, whatever you want. Man, or... if, if so, I gave you the recovery house number, and if anyone's out there struggling with addiction or alcoholism or mental health or, or both in the same, you can reach me and my team directly at six one zero six three five nine zero nine two. Um, or if you want to see what I'm up to, just go to my website www.brandonnovak.com. All one word. Awesome. And that's it. Awesome. Can't awesome. wait for that skate part to drop, man. Super yeah, excited man. to see that. Stoked, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, so I've been yeah. watching your skate stuff on Instagram. Like just the little clips cool. you post. Yeah, it's a lot of cool shit. Thanks, man. Did Appreciate the clip it. you out there skating the bowls in the suit? Loved it. Yeah. I yeah. loved that. I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was like three years ago. Should, should do that again, actually. So, so we uh we do this segment called Fuckery of the Day. Uh-huh. I'm sure you have plenty of things that you would consider fuckery, plenty of stories. Uh if you'd like to join us and tell us a story that would be fuckery that nobody's ever heard before. Um, what, just like a story? Just anything. I've anything told that, all my stories so many yeah. times. Um, or anything you've yeah. seen that like maybe you didn't even have anything to do with. Just it could like, have been something fucked up you seen last week or whatever. Yeah, any any kind of nonsense bullshit thing that's like just like that was ridiculous kind of moment. It's weird. It's been a long time since I've put myself in a position to see like ridiculous shit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's kind of um, a different thing asking you. I mean, yeah, but back in the day, I could have said we could have did a whole hour on those stories. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to even think. Of, I don't really think about stuff like, like anything that. that made like a Viva La Bam, or didn't make the Viva La Bam show that was like so fucked that like yeah, it was maybe too much that. to make it. Yeah, but I'm actually releasing all those on my Instagram now. Like mm-hmm. we did the last one with Ryan Dunn last week, and we have uh, a series coming out with all behind the scenes Viva La Bams, Jackass, uh, CKY stuff 
Mm-hmm. That we have uh, so much footage that you could actually make a CKY5 out of it. Oh my right. god! So you were going to start that, seeing funny. These. I saw the Ryan Dunn one where he's yeah. putting the dumpster. You're going to start. I remember seeing, seeing oh, that yeah. on Jackass though. You're going to start seeing those. Right? Wasn't there a, a segment that they did do that on Jackass? That made I never it to saw air? it. Franz told me okay. that it was never seen. Maybe I, it was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I remember. Maybe we watched a behind the scenes thing and saw it there. I don't. Right. I just remember the blood so in the plastic. And being like, that's they gnarly. might have used that for a different skit. Even that might have been a different prank. Right? Maybe that. Well, was they were never allowed to use from. it for MTV. Okay. Jackass. Mm-hmm. They said it was too vile, too yeah. repeatable. Is yeah. What their terms where they didn't want kids repeating that. Yeah. I mean, you did cause a fucking uproar. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just tune in and you'll yeah. see stories like that. So Brandon's fuckery will be on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. over Business and over and Go over. Go to my fucking shit and watch it. <laughs> Not giving it away for free. <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. So, cool, man. Yeah, we'll I got to piss really bad. Oh, yeah. Probably. Let's... Thanks again, dude. Thanks we for really appreciate it, I appreciate it. it. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Anytime, for man. Thanks for coming. Yeah. All right, that's it for us, guys. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Facebook at The Holocord Podcast, Instagram at The Holocord Podcast, Twitter at Fuckery of the Day. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Also, we're available wherever podcasts can be found, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Look us up, dude. Tell your mom. Tell your mom's mom. Tell your aunt, uncle, cousin, girlfriend, girlfriend's dad. Everyone. (laughs) All of them. You know? Them all at the same time. Force your dog to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we out.